This is Psalms to God, Season 3, Episode 3, The Serpent Slash Dragon. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 in ASB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about mythology surrounding serpents. And of course, the reason we're going to be talking about serpents and dragons to a certain extent is because the Bible talks about a very famous serpent slash dragon that is Satan. From a biblical standpoint, Satan is first introduced to us as the serpent in the garden. He tempts Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. She does so, and thus he becomes the prince of this world. And we see throughout the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that Satan just has this desire to take God's place. He wants to rule, he wants to be worshipped, and he convinces some of the other angels to follow in his path. And they're all cast down to earth, and they're wreaking havoc as we speak. Now, as you get later into the word of God, Satan is not only characterized as the serpent, but he's also characterized as the dragon. Now, arguably, this dichotomy could be about his personality, right? Because we have Jesus, who is also characterized as a lion and a lamb, which are very different creatures. So it could be that when we call Satan the serpent versus the dragon, It could be embodying different parts of his personality. It could be different ways he presents himself. However, the more time I've spent learning about serpent cultures or mythology around the world, I actually feel like it may actually be a description of the same animal. I know, I know that sounds really crazy. And if you're thinking from a Western point of view, it does sound crazy because our viewpoint of a a dragon is very, very different than a serpent. Like when I think of a serpent, I think snake. And so I'm thinking of like, you know, like a garden snake or, you know, maybe a rattlesnake, you know, maybe a python. If you want to get real ferocious, maybe like an anaconda or something like that. But I'm not really thinking of a dragon. Like when I think of a dragon, I'm thinking of, you know, almost like Godzilla, right? Like we're thinking of like smog from uh, The Hobbit or, you know, you know, these dragon slayer movies where you have like this dinosaur looking thing with these massive wings and it's, you know, got fire coming out of its mouth and like all of these crazy things. But... The Western ideology or the Western depiction of a dragon is very, very different than the Eastern depiction 
of the dragon. And to be fair, uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament written in what we now call the Middle East, um, it's way closer to the East and the Eastern cultures that we're going to talk about today than it is to the West. So I have a feeling when they said dragon, this is probably what they had in mind. So if you've ever watched something like Mulan, I think that would probably be something that most people are familiar with. In Mulan, which is set in ancient China, um, you have the dragon Mushu, which has given kind of this serpent-like feel to it because that is what Chinese dragons are depicted as or Eastern dragons in general. And so that was probably one of the first Eastern dragons I saw. I'm not really sure I put two and two together when I was that young and processed things, but definitely as I got older and started watching more like anime, I think a great example for anybody who watches anime would be something like Spirited Away. There is a dragon in there and it is definitely more of a serpent-like dragon. Even the thing that's in the, um, the never-ending story, uh, it kind of looks like a dog more than a dragon or anything else, but it is kind of like a serpent-like dragon thing. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, but as an adult, I look back and I'm like, yeah, that kind of looks like what I imagine a serpent dragon thing to be. Um, and so there are these different cultures that see a dragon as a serpent and a serpent and a dragon are kind of an interchangeable thing. And I think that may be how Satan came to be associated with both the serpent and the dragon in the Bible. Now, this concept of a serpent deity or a serpent higher power or a certain serpent angel, fallen angel, as, as I would argue, um, this tends to appear across the world. Now, I looked up a lot of different cultures. Like I said, we're not going to be able to go into all of them. Um, but I picked out a few to talk about, but I, it, it seemed like almost every continent had a culture that believed in some kind of serpent creature or serpent, uh, race or, or something. And, and there are some similarities. There are a lot of disparities, but I think it was really interesting. We're going to talk about them and then I'll try to bring it all together at the end, give you some of my thoughts um, as we go. And then again, like I said, at the end, bringing it together. So one of the first things I found was the Naga or the Naga. I'm not really sure how to pronounce a lot of these. So just bear with me. Um, actually, I'm not sure how to pronounce any of these. Let's be honest. I am going to butcher all the pronunciations again, but I will write them in the show notes so that you can see them for yourself. Um, and of course, if you are an expert in pronouncing any of this, feel free to let me know how to actually pronounce these things. So the Naga is found in Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. And it's not really, um, it's not just a serpent. It is a half human, half serpent creature, but it's also considered to be like divine. It's supposed to reside in like the netherworld, though some of them may reside in our world. Um, there were slightly differing beliefs across the different religions about where these creatures live. Um, there was like an association with water um, heavily in one religion. I think that was in Hinduism. 
but there was more of a balanced association with water and earth within like Buddhism. So there's slight differences in how each culture sees them, but the things that are the same is that they are serpent-like creatures. They're half serpent, half human, and they have some sort of ability to like shape shift and to transform themselves into um, a, a human. Another thing that I thought was interesting about this these cultures and, and uh, this concept is that they seem to acknowledge that the creature is potentially harmful. Um, they're supposed to be venomous. Uh, however, they see them as being benevolent. So apparently um, they did things to help humanity. I think in Buddhism, there was a particular uh, creature that was a member of this race that was a protector of the Buddha or something like that. So they don't, you know, they're not considered like evil or, or, or bad creatures, but there is some level of like danger that they recognize. Now, if you come to the other side of the world and you go into kind of um, Mesoamerica, Central America, South America, I guess, um, just this general region, you have the Aztec culture. Now, this one you guys may already be familiar with because I definitely, I don't know if I learned about this in school or maybe I just read a lot of mythology as a kid, which is very true, but I definitely had heard of this before I jumped into this research. Um, and that is Quetzalcoatl. I'm definitely butchering that, but however you pronounce that. Um, the, the thing that starts with a Q, it is an Aztec deity and the word actually means like precious serpent or feathered serpent or something like that. And it is, it was represented by a snake, like a winged snake. And I think that's interesting because it goes back to this concept of a serpent dragon and this kind of serpent that is able to fly or that is not just like the little snake that we think of today. Another thing that I found interesting about the Aztec deity that is a serpent is that it was considered the god of wind, air, and learning. Um, I found that specifically interesting because in Christianity, of course, we know that Satan tempted uh, mankind with additional knowledge or, or knowledge that was outside of God um, or outside of what God wanted at that particular time. So in this Aztec culture, this serpent is also associated with learning and knowledge. Um, so that's, that's another thing that's kind of common. Uh, something else that I found interesting within the Aztec culture is that some versions of this um, belief saw that this serpent deity was born of a virgin. And there were various different uh, stories about this and various different ideology about how it came to be. Not every Aztec culture believed that it was a virgin birth. Some thought that he was, you know... From somewhere else and there there were a lot of things but there there was some subculture that believed it was a virgin birth and that the woman was either struck in the womb with an arrow swallowed a emerald or visited by um, some other deity which I thought was interesting uh, because of course obviously in Christianity there is a virgin birth and I will come back to uh well 
we can take a minute to talk about that here, I guess. Um, so in general, you will see the virgin birth pop up um, across cultures. I do want to do a whole episode on that because I think that's worth talking about. Um, but for the purpose of this episode, I do want to say that, like I said, um, I think that the inspiration for all religions, all cultures boils back to the same point. So I'm not surprised to see similar elements and threads pop up. And I also want to take this moment to remind you of who the serpent is from a Christian point of view. Like, yes, I'm sharing information about all types of cultures, um, but at the end of the day, I am still a Christian. I That is what I believe. And so my point of view um, from my belief system, I do believe that part of Satan's goal and his desire is to be worshipped. That was his crime. That is what he got in trouble for, is that he wanted to supplant God and have people worship him. So he and his angels that followed him were cast down to earth. And like I said, their desire is to be worshipped. They are still greater than human beings. Um, they are not on the level of God, but they are much greater than us and it's not far-fetched that they would allow people to worship them and create these kind of religions that are sort of like gods but not quite and and that's why i think you see some of these trends um, across religions but we'll get deeper into that when i talk about virgin births in another episode and things like that but i just wanted to put that there as i mentioned that uh, for anyone who's curious and, and, and I don't want people to like get confused or, or anything by me sharing this information. So that was another uh, serpent uh, deity that's found in the world. Um, also from ancient times is this thing called Apep or Apep. I'm not really sure. Like I said, I don't know how to pronounce any of these, but this is from ancient Egypt um, and interestingly, unlike the first two, which are kind of worshipped and seen as benevolent beings or, um, you know, good beings, uh, this, this version of the serpent is kind of in the same place as the serpent of the Bible. Um, it's actually really, really similar. So in ancient Egyptian culture, you had Ra, who was considered the sun god, um, which... Interestingly, Ra was considered the light bringer, which is the name that Satan was given in the Bible. But um, this Apep or serpent deity was actually against Ra and it was considered the king of chaos and supposedly embodied chaos and confusion, which is closer to how I would define the serpent of the Bible. So that was interesting that here, the serpent seems to be, you know, an evil creature. And there were some rituals and rites that the Egyptians did to protect um, people from this, this, I guess I'm going to call it a demon deity. I don't know. They didn't worship it. So I don't feel right calling it a deity, but this entity will say that. Um, and they used, to, and there was something also about it with the, the land of the dead, Again, a lot of these are dwelling in the underworld, in the netherworld. They have something to do with the, the land of the dead, which again is so interesting that they're all associated with death, um, whether they're considered good or bad. Everyone seems to, to associate the serpent with death. And so um, 
there is that creature another thing that i found which is also kind of from more ancient history um is the jormungander yeah that's that's what i'm gonna say it is again it'll be written somewhere so that you can actually see it and look it up but this one's from north north mythology um and it's interesting because last week we talked about ragnarok from norse mythology and actually this creature is heavily tied into ragnarok um which again satan is heavily tied into the end of the world um from a christian point of view as well this thing is supposedly a sea serpent um, and it's it's one of the children of Loki, um, and it was it you know it, it it battled against Thor. So again, kind of like in Egyptian mythology, where it's kind of like an arch nemesis to someone else. Um, so that so that I found that interesting. But the one of the things about it is it was supposedly this massive serpent that can encircle the entire earth. And it has its tail in its mouth. And supposedly when it releases its tail, that is the beginning of Ragnarok. So that was like an interesting thing. I was like, okay, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But at the same time, um, saying that kind of this, you know, you could think of it as, you know, the serpent is contained, its mouth is contained. And when it lets go of its tail, it is now, you know, attack, it's, it's free to attack the world or you, you know, um, which is similar to how you would see Satan, you know, we don't want Satan running loose, we want him contained. Um, or, I mean, you could interpret it other ways as well, I guess. I'm not an expert on North, Norse mythology, so I don't know why that is the, the ideology or the belief, um, but I definitely found it interesting to say the least. So those were just a few of the serpents that I found across the world. Um, and you know, how they kind of, how they were believed to be. I found them all very different, but also very similar. Like I said, I, I'm not surprised that every culture has this idea of a serpent because the serpent does play a huge role in Christianity. And so it makes sense that when the devil was cast to the earth, that he went everywhere, um, you know, kind of sowing these seeds and ideas and presenting himself as an angel of light in some cases and maybe not being able to mask his true identity in other cases, creating these different versions of uh, commentary about him and his character. Um, one thing I did want to point out too is this association, um, what he's associated with. So I saw in some cases he was associated with chaos, sometimes with learning, sometimes with being proud. Um, but I also saw a lot of um, water, him being associated with water. And I found that interesting because there is a group of Christians, there is, you know, like I said, there are varying beliefs across all religions, even within Christianity. And I did spend some time once um, reading about uh, theories about the Marine Kingdom. If you've heard that, then you already know. Um, if you're not familiar, there are people who believe basically that, that Satan is associated with the Marine Kingdom and that, you know, the fallen angels and, and Satan has some sort of power over the water, the seas. And 
you know, it was an interesting thing to read. I'm, I'm not, I'm neither endorsing nor condemning this theory. I don't know enough about it to actually posit a full, uh, you know, dissertation on it. But I did think it was interesting considering there is a verse in Revelation that says that there will be no more sea at the end. And you're like, why? Why, why are we getting rid of the sea, Lord? Um, and so this idea that Satan has, you know, basically uh, that he was living in it and taking it over. And of course, even from a scientific standpoint, the sea is one of the, you know, the deepest parts of the sea we're unable to, to go to. They're dark and um, there's questions about whether or not life can be preserved there. And then, of course, you add that with this connotation of the serpent being with the nether, the netherworld or the underworld and the dead. And it really just kind of goes together. So it, I thought it was interesting um, that these things kind of tied in together. So that was definitely a fun thing to research and to look at. Um, like I said, so many more serpent legends across the world. Um, there are some within native tribes here in the United States. There are some, I think, in Africa. Uh, I saw, I just saw so much information. I could not fit it all in here. So I will put some links into the description boxes and into the show notes in case you want to do more digging. And I just wanted to leave you with this idea that clearly everybody knows that there is a serpent. There is some kind of serpent creature that has had some kind of impact on humanity. We don't agree on what, but we all seem to know that there is a serpent. So that is the common knowledge of this week that I wanted to leave you with. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe. Um, you can look at the blog, www.psalmstogod.com. Um, you can visit us on YouTube or on Instagram. And I'm always happy to hear from you and to get your feedback and your comments. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.